Live from the Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood, this, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It is strongly addictive. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Hello, everybody. My name is Sean Astin, and you're listening to my political radio show, Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people here on the Toad Hop Network. Well, you can leave that under there a little bit. Kind of sounds good. This is the... Um, this is the most intense real-time um, response or contribution that this show is um, has participated in yet so far. Um, really what I want in this life is to be a good husband and a good father and Beyond that, I want to be relevant. I want to matter. I want the ideas I have. I want the things I say. I want the work I do as an actor, as a filmmaker, as a producer, as an activist, as a writer. Um, and as a radio show host to mean something I really 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 want it to mean something and so the question for me has to be what is my role what am I supposed to do right now when I see things like Hurricane Katrina happen I can't help myself. I, I take it personally. I want to get involved. I want to do something. I want to go somewhere. I want to help, you know, okay, donate to the Red Cross, but I want to like carry water to somebody or I want to, and I think that feeling that I have is a feeling that a lot of people have. I know it is. I know it is because I feel it in my heart and I know it is because I've seen it in people. And so this radio show is an extension of that passion. It's a genuine, legitimate, honest to God, from my heart and my gut passion to want to do something. And so what can this show do? I look at this Fox News Live. I kind of just threw this up here. Um, foxnews.com treating what's happening in real time right now we experienced we the citizens of the United States of America experienced a tragedy an awful awful tragedy 
on September 11th, two days ago, when our diplomatic outpost was attacked and our ambassador and three of his colleagues were murdered. And, you know, three days ago, I was saying that I thought the most significant thing that would likely come out of the United States presidential campaign was this idea of fact-checking, fact-checkers. I thought that's going to be the buzzword, that's going to be the thing, barring, and I said this to so many people, barring a collapse in our economy or a terrorist attack. And then on the 11th anniversary of September 11th, we experienced a really profound terrorist attack. It wasn't on our homeland, but for anybody who understands how diplomacy works, within the law, within international law, within treaties, when we have an embassy somewhere, or when somebody, some other country has an embassy here, it's sovereign territory. It's like making it to the border of Mexico, where you're beyond the reach of the law. In the case of an embassy, if you're a United States citizen and you're traveling abroad and you get in trouble in any one of a number of ways, you get lost, you lose something, you can't find your passport, you, you get robbed, the government's out, the, you, you run afoul of the government. The U.S. Embassy is there for you, for every American citizen to do their best to help you navigate your place in another country. And every host nation of the embassies that are housed there has a, a legal and moral responsibility to defend those embassies. And so what we're looking at in Libya, in Benghazi, where this attack happened, was the Libyan government's failure to live up to their international obligation. Now, it shouldn't be surprising to anyone that that kind of failure was possible because it's a brand new country that is figuring itself out in the wake of the violent overthrow of the dictator Muammar Gaddafi. So, I mean, I, I have so many questions. I have so many questions. I wrote them out. I've got like 50 questions um, that I'll ask myself and wander through and answer. Um, but I really hope that you'll call in 323 622 8623. That's 323. That's an LA area code 323. 622 and then Toad 8623. Uh, there's something that I think I want to start with um, that's really sad. It's inspiring and it's really sad. 
but I think it's a good um, if I can pull it up here I'm not sure why it's not popping up um, every time a diplomat you know they have to be sworn in I think they're sworn in by the Secretary of State if you're an oh no I guess if you're an ambassador plenty potentiary or whatever that's called it's the president who swears you in and the other uh, subordinate things are sworn in by the secretary. I, I don't know who administers the. Oh, you take you swear an oath of office to the Constitution of the United States, and and you uh, you're given your credentials. And so when you show up in that country, you're a duly uh, legally authorized representative of the United States government. And we have a lot to talk about there. But what I want to play right now is um, a video that our ambassador uh, to Libya made when he was in Washington, D.C., getting – taking his oath and, and preparing to take up his post. Um, his name is uh, J. Christopher Stevens. He was killed most likely by, uh, by the fire, but you don't, we, you don't know. His body was taken uh, to the hospital and turned over to the United States. Um, are you going to be able to put pictures up of this when I show it right now? Okay. So here is – let's see if we can get it started. It's uh, It speaks for itself. It just puts a human face on this. This guy looks as I, – I heard a judge once say uh, about somebody that – he was a straight shooter. There's a straight shooter, somebody who looks honest and upright and uh, just look at this guy and listen to his – way that he chose to introduce himself to the Libyan people and it's uh, I believe it's Arabic uh, subtitles underneath it and these uh, the, the film are you gonna play you can start it you, you, do you have it yeah you, you know I, I'm gonna play the sound but I just want you the images of it to pop up there can you do that you can't do that go go to um, do you, I sent you the link if you click on the link um, well, anyway, I'll play it. Here you go. Let's see. I'll see if I can find some pictures for you because they're stunners. Uh, Ambassador uh, Chris Stevens. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Chris Stevens, and I'm the new U.S. ambassador to Libya. Mm -hmm. I had the honor to serve as the U.S. envoy to the Libyan opposition during the revolution. And I was thrilled to watch the Libyan people stand up and demand their rights. Now I'm excited to return to Libya to continue the great work we've started, building a solid partnership between the United States and Libya to help you, the Libyan people, achieve your goals. Right now I'm in Washington preparing for my assignment. As I walk around the monuments and memorials commemorating the courageous men and women who made America what it is, I'm reminded that we too went through challenging periods. When America was divided by a bitter civil war 150 years ago, President Abraham Lincoln had the vision and the courage to pull the nation together and help us move forward toward a shared goal of peace and prosperity. Growing up in California, I didn't know much about the Arab world. Then, after graduating from the University of California at Berkeley, I traveled to North Africa as a Peace Corps volunteer. I worked as an English teacher in a town in the high Atlas Mountains in Morocco for two years and quickly grew to love this part of the world. Since joining the Foreign Service, I've spent almost my entire career in the Middle East and North Africa. 
One of the things that impressed me when I was last in Libya was listening to stories from the people who are old enough to have traveled and studied in the United States back when we had closer relations. Those days are back. We had 1,700 Libyans apply for Fulbright grants to study in the United States this year, more than any country in the world. Now, we know that Libya is still recovering from an intense period of conflict, and there are many courageous Libyans who bear the scars of that battle. We're happy that we've been able to treat some of your war wounded at U.S. hospitals. We look forward to building partnerships between American and Libyan hospitals to help return Libya's health care system to the extraordinary standards of excellence it once enjoyed. Over my shoulder here, you can see the U.S. Capitol building. In that building, 535 elected representatives from every corner of America come together to debate the issues of the day. They are men and women from every religious, ethnic, and family background. I look forward to watching Libya develop equally strong institutions of government. Education and healthcare are just two of the many areas where I see opportunities for close partnership between the United States and Libya. I look forward to exploring those possibilities with you as we work together to build a free, democratic, prosperous Libya. See you soon. You guys, uh, you couldn't see the images because we uh, are, were a little bit uh, technically challenged sometimes over here. But they're just amazing, breathtaking images of uh, of this guy with you know children in Libya and teachers and pictures of him with doctors, and then there's pictures of him you know walking uh, you know in, in Berkeley or wherever, and then images of him with the cherry blossoms in D.C. and you know with the with the Capitol building behind him, and he just looks so young and healthy and vibrant and caring and compassionate and what's what struck me is you know there, there's so many times when we talk about america and we talk about our military power and you can't help but be aware of a um uh, a kind of hardness of, of about ourselves you know that we have to put on our battle armor not just our physical armor but our mental armor and our emotional armor when we go to a place and we know that we may not be well liked there or we may have an agenda there and there's a lot of things in our history that we don't talk about in this country things that our government has done that are wrong mistakes that we've made violence that we've perpetrated um, things that the other countries around the world often remember and we somehow act shocked that they are um, – that they would dare to suggest that we, the great United States of America, have ever um, been greedy or you know, impolitic or imprudent or pressed our military advantage to advantage our corporations. But in this story, this guy, in this country, this diplomat – under this Secretary of State, under this president, in this administration right now, this dude was righteous and he was there doing the right thing. He was the best face that America can put on ourselves. And we talk about why do we feel people around the world – I get on this Twitter. I get people in England and people around the world saying, you know, why does America think it even has a place in the Middle East? You know, why does it feel that it, it should be involved right now? Well. First of all, our embassy was attacked. 
you know, after we helped and depending on who you are in this country, and I don't really know, I don't really know in this whole Arab Spring, the this um, shuddering that's going on in the Middle East uh, and North Africa about people, you know, poor put upon people who are throwing off the shackles of their dictatorships. Like, I don't know how much of that is engineered. I don't know how much of that is from the ground up. I don't know how much of that is controlled by, you know, the Muslim, Muslim Brotherhood or, or Al-Qaeda. I don't, I don't know. How the hell would I know sitting here in Los Angeles, California, what the truth is? I can try and divine what my government tells me. I can try and refract through the awesome, you know, spectacle that is people's opinions on the internet. But I can certainly look at what happened. We, you know, the the whole range of attitudes and behavior that we had towards Colonel Gaddafi and how he asserted himself as a diplomat sometimes and a terrorist other times and a tyrant and a who knows what. I mean, we tried lots of strategies to figure out how to work with the guy or how to protect ourselves from him or how to beat him. But when it came right down to it, when his people were ready to rise up, we, you know, detractors of the current administration will say that America sat on the sidelines or that we led from behind. I don't know. I know we didn't do nothing. I know that we had assets on the ground. And what we've been told by our Secretary of State is that this guy helped save and liberate one half or the other, Eastern Benghazi or whatever, operating as a intermediary between President Obama or the administration and the and the rebels. I mean, it's almost like Star Wars when you talk about it, the rebels and the pushback and establishing strongholds and footholds and all this kind of stuff. But this guy was this guy was trying to do the right thing. I just it's just so awful that he was there trying to forge inroads with the people, with their businesses, with their government to try and create partnerships and that during that time he was victimized. Now, I don't know if it's right or if it's fair, if it's too soon uh, to, to wonder aloud about certain things. I know that two, other, two of the other people that uh, died, two of our people that died there, uh, one was Glenn Doherty, a security officer. I have um, one of the attacks. Glenn Doherty, 42, a former Navy SEAL, one of the four diplomats who died Tuesday. Um, he was one of the most. Uh, he was the most wonderful person, his mother Barbara Doherty told uh, WCVB in confirming that she had been told Wednesday night that he was among the dead. We're all in pain and suffering. Um, sister goes on talking about him there. But he was a security officer. Um, Sean Smith was a Foreign Service Information Officer. Interesting idea. Do we even know really what our diplomats are doing? Do we know what that means? Do we know what their responsibilities are? Um, okay, this thing isn't coming up here. He was interestingly a uh, an online gamer, and uh, had seen some of the security people taking pictures of the of the embassy compound, and was joking around, I guess, with his. Uh, online gamer community like well if I make it through the night blah 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 something or other and uh, diplomat killed in Libya sent chilling message to fellow gamers before death this article says this Fox News thing 
you know, I, I complain an awful lot about Fox News in my own mind and out loud sometimes, but sometimes they, they get there fast and they kind of get it right. Sean Smith, a Foreign Service Information Management Officer assigned to the U.S. Consulate in Benghazi, well-known in the online gaming forum. Um, in the hours before the bloody assault, he sent a message to uh, Alex Glenturco, Jan Turco, um, saying, assuming we don't die tonight, uh, we saw one of our police that guard the compound taking pictures. So, I mean, I won't go into the descriptions of it, but it's pretty awful what happened. And you can watch the pictures on the, on the main news. But anyhow, so my, my point about reading those two things, one's a foreign service information officer, the other's a security officer, the other one's our ambassador. You wonder, like, what kinds of intelligence gathering and if there's a military component to what happens inside of a diplomatic compound. Um, so, like, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, be interesting to talk to someone from the the diplomatic corps, foreign service. I I would I would stop my acting life and go into the if I if if uh, if some president of the United States asked me to be an ambassador to somewhere, I would be hard pressed to say no. And I think my wife would be be keen. I just think it's such an important. It's like uh, space exploration. It's just one of those things that it's worth risking your life to do because it's such an important thing. One of the questions that uh, I have uh, that came through Twitter was, uh, it was, it was a statement that this incident sort of brings up the question of are we safer, are we safer if we use overwhelming force or if we uh, Use diplomacy, and it's usually just. And the question sort of presumes that there's a binary question there, one or the other. Um, I think part of the greatness of this nation is that we've really found a way to become powerful nation, um, the most powerful nation the world has ever known, in fact. Um, but we also uh, have ideals and ideas. Um, that allow for diplomacy when we when we use it. So there's so much to um, there's so much to talk about. the The first thing is was the violence was the attack um, a legitimate uprising of the Libyan people, uh, which is said to have been it's reported to have been in response to this video that was made um, and uh, the video is called uh, it's a propaganda film called Innocence of Muslims it's there's 14 minutes of it I watched it all 14 minutes and it's it's uh, it's awful on so many levels the production value is awful with all due respect to my acting colleagues the performances are a disaster partly because whatever they're saying has been dubbed over with other with, – with the dialogue you're hearing clearly doesn't – it's not just out of sync. It's clearly been replaced with whatever um, the propagandist has laid on top of it. And there's been reports today that the uh, the actress in it, that the, they are trying to figure – if they can figure out who made the movie, if they can figure out where the producer is, um, they want to sue him because they were – it was totally misrepresented to them what they were doing. Um, they thought they were doing a kind of historical drama, adventure drama and, and uh, Mohammed. Uh, the Prophet Muhammad wasn't wasn't a character in in the story that they made, so who knows what's true there? the The interesting thing about this is uh, the truth 
becomes a translucent hologram uh, that it's really, really hard to pin down. And what you can do is you can go to different websites and news sources and, and you can use your own sort of gut and your own intuition. But boy, it's easy to get it wrong on so many level, levels about so many things. And the first is this. So this, this propaganda film depicts um, – and I, I could have shown it and I could have played it but I don't want to because I don't want to give it credence. Um, also because it would be a provocation. Um, you know, We have a value system in this country. We have a law, First Amendment right to free speech that says we can say whatever we want free from uh, recrimination. Uh, and it's hard. It's a hard thing to honor when people say something that just pisses you off so bad you want to punch them. Uh, there's a great line in uh, – I think it's the American president where Michael Douglas stands at the lectern and he says, you know, you want to – he says something about free, advanced citizenship, like free speech. You got to want it bad. You got to – you got to, you know – fight to protect somebody. You got to stand up and defend somebody who would spend their entire life screaming and shouting from their top of their lungs something that you would spend your entire life opposing at the top of your lungs. And that's what free speech is about. But but that's our value. That's a value that we as American citizens hold dear. Others don't. And I don't think we have the right to violently impose our value of free speech on other people. We have the right to protect ourselves, an obligation, a duty to our families and each other to protect ourselves against somebody who would violently try and impose their will on us. But this film, in my estimation, is not an individual filmmakers or a group of filmmakers exercising their right to speak freely as protected under the Constitution of the United States of America. This is a uh, – Secretary Clinton called it in a speech she gave today a um, sinister – no, no, no. What did she say? She said a cynical – Kind of a, I can't remember the exact word, like boldly cynical or something cynical motive to provoke. Which, by the way, is the stated intent, not just of the one or two quotes that I, I think I've seen that may be attributable, attributable. The filmmaker's name, as it's reported, sort of, is Sam Basile. Bacile, Basile, Basile. And uh, he... It, it, this uh, Daily News, New York Daily News.com report says that filmmaker Sam Basile behind anti Muhammad propaganda, Innocence of Muslims, that's the title of it, its second title, uh, is not Israeli. He said, this says, Basile said he made the film to provoke and it led to deadly mob attack on U.S. Embassy in Libya. Um, Sam Basile, whose crude depiction of the Prophet Muhammad, and by the way, and crude, He's depicted as a rapist. He's depicted as a thief. He's depicted as a tyrant. Um, um, not in any thoughtful way. I don't know anything about the Prophet Muhammad. 
I've had some people explain a little bit to me. I've, I've read a little bit, but I, I couldn't speak with even a modicum of intelligence about the life, historical life of the uh, of the prophet. Hold on, I'm going to answer this phone here. Hey, this is Sean Aston. Who's this? You're live on Vox Populi. Hi, my name is Jessica, and I was had been reading your tw your Twitter feed and things about what you were saying. About that it w what that it wasn't really First Amendment. Yeah, so I'm sort of trying to make that point right now. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for calling. So, what do you think about that idea? Do you think it's a free speech expression or no? Well, yes. I mean, if the most vile of speech is protected under the First Amendment, I mean, that's the speech that probably needs protection the most. Because I I kind of think the film kind of reminded me of in content. Well, not exactly content, but of how angry it makes people and how annoyed it makes people. It kind of reminded me of the free speech is issue with the Westboro Baptist Church. And I think that guy's actually they, supported this film. Was that what? Do we remember that priest? That uh, guy's name? I, I saw it earlier when I was running, racing through. I didn't. I didn't cut and paste it. But but anyway, yeah. So go ahead. It reminded you of that hate speech. Yeah, and although it is hateful. And it is ridiculous from everything I've heard. It's just I haven't watched the whole video. I've only seen a little bit. It's, it, it, we don't even know if there's a full movie. It's like 14 minutes. It's four, all it is is a 14 minute like excerpt or something, and that's all that anybody has seen. There's not there's not more than it. And now the the name Sam Basile who uh, did it, it's actually a um, a pseudonym. And somebody was a claim, a, a saying that he was Jewish and then the, the state of Israel said we have no record of anybody like that in our country. But anyhow, the point you're saying that the, because of our First Amendment, he has the right, even though it's vile, to be able to say what he wants to say. Yeah, and I just think that the best thing to do is really to just shun everything he does and because shutting him down, well, but you can just – if. You, I guess, if you really wanted to, you could see if the um, in, if internet providers would just refuse to host it. But as for saying he can't do what he can't, he's doing, he I'm pretty sure he can do it. It's just really he well. Should. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting point. You know, there there are. Um, it seems to me that there are two very specific kind of trains of thought just on this topic, based on what you just said. One is. Can can he legally within the Constitution be compelled to stop it? And I'll tell you what I thought. You know, I was against the Patriot Act, but I'll bet the Patriot Act could be used to detain this guy and investigate him and see if he's working with uh, the Muslim Brotherhood or with uh, Al Qaeda or if he's working with some other government because. You know, if, if he's because it's a very specific, very illicit propaganda movie. It's not, it's it's, um, and and it, it, so so there's there's that idea. Like, is there anything in the law that can stop him? That that the fifth that the First Amendment, you know, our our laws they 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 have to be balanced with each other. You know, and and I'm pretty sure that the other under a potential Romney administration or under the current Obama administration, we don't want our international relations and our foreign policy decided by somebody putting out a propaganda film that then incites riots all over the Middle East, which then force us to move warships into the you know and and, and drones and and put other assets in the thing. We don't want. We, we'd like to. We, 
I, as, a, as a citizen, I would vote not to have that be the way that we prosecute our foreign policy because, you know, there's these folks have said specifically, if you depict – now, I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're right at all. I'm just saying the reality as we see it right now is that people are telling us if you depict our – the person that's sacred to us – you know, in our country, people, you know, defile Jesus Christ's image and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and we, you know, we, we tolerate it because that's that's our value system. We, we don't like it sometimes. Sometimes we think it's great. I just saw the Book of Mormon. You know, the Book of Mormon just savages some of the uh, the, the sacred um, – the sanctity of some of the the people and, and, and you know mm-hmm. – uh, Whatever, some of the, the sanctity of that religion. But, but that's us. These people, and by these people I mean a broad cross-section of the Muslim community, both extreme and not extreme, have said it is really offensive to us. And we have every reason to believe now through experience, the Danish experience, that, 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 it will, that, that violence will be caused. So you can say, well, we didn't do the violence. Right, they are responsible for the violence that they do, and they are, and they should be hunted down, and they should be brought to um, trial. They should either be captured and killed, or they should be brought to trial. These people cannot, you know. One of the questions I have is whether or not what we're talking about is a military action, or whether it's a sort of a police action. And right now, the the government of uh, Libya has said that they'll. It's interesting the way they phrased it. They said they would work with us. As we hunt down That's these people, that is promising. It is promising, and, and and you know what? We've got a very big stick and a very big military, and and they should do that. They're not a strong enough government yet for us to be deferential to their. Uh, you know, if if you know, I suppose we we. Mm-hmm. It, it just depends on how you want to do it. I mean, it would be interesting to see how they how they do it. But I, I certainly wanted a a much stronger. Uh, you know, reaction from my president right out of the box. Yeah, I, you know, sober minds can, whatever. But the point is, we know if we do that, we citizens, you and me, if you and I on this radio show right now say, "Hey, you know what?" Hold on, let me uh, let me bring somebody else into this conversation here. Hey, it's Sean Aston. You got me and Jessica, Jessica and uh, me on the phone. How? Who's hey, this? Brett. Hey, Brett. So good, man. So, so you you've been following along with Jessica and I, or me? I've been I've been listening. Yeah, I'm now twenty seconds behind, but yeah. All right, that's okay. Well, the point. I'll finish my point, and then we'll, we'll we'll have your thought here. If we know, the three of us, that if I write a sketch out on my napkin a defamatory picture of the Prophet Muhammad, and I and I show it, and I intentionally try and provoke people. That it's going to work, that they're going to get violent, and the odds are they're going to be violent on, you know, American, you know, whatever, you know, the, the wherever Americans are abroad. It's I, I don't I don't think I'm exercising my right of free speech. I think I'm committing a, a I think I'm I don't know what the crime is, but I'm sure I'm committing one. What do you think, Brett? Not at all. Why is this any different than satanic verses, other than it's current content rather than a decent book because we're dealing with uh, because we're in a military posture 
uh, with, we're in a military with, posture because this time they did something. They were calling. There was a fatwa on on Salman Rushdie's head when he wrote that book. Just because this time they happened. First of all, I personally I think that this film is nothing but an excuse to cover a, a planned attack on the anniversary of 9/11. Well, that's where I, that's really, where we're we're sort of going that, with that. I think that that film has nothing to do with it. It's a great way to start some riots and and get everybody all fomenting anger and whatnot, and then go in and kill somebody. So you're saying that those people who are out there burning flags and throwing rocks and climbing up on the thing, they're just just propaganda tools. Yeah, they're just just letting off the same steam that they do every time somebody pricks their religion and they get upset. Uh, I think that this was a coordinated attack on three different embassies within a 24-hour period. I don't think it had anything at all to do with that movie. Jessica, what do you think of that? Hold on. Oh, wait. Hold on one second. Let me see if I can get it. Did we lose her? I don't know. Hold on one second. Hold on. Jessica, I can't get to her. Wow. Um, Oh, wait. No. Jessica, I hear you. Don't go anywhere for a second. Hold on. Brett, make make another thought, and then I want to, and then I'll I'll dump you and go go back to her. I think I can only do one at a time for some reason. It's not it's not letting me grab her over there. Okay. Well, you know that, that's that's just it. You know, I mean, every time they they uh, get upset about somebody poking fun at their religion or or at the prophet, uh, it seems to be licensed for them to go insane. And then we gotta we gotta chew on that because it's we'll not license. It's just reality. It's the reality is that's what they do. Well, then they just illustrated the point that that filmmaker was trying to make. Because the point he wanted to make was that they would go nuts if he did something like this, and they did. Good, and, and he and he bears zero responsibility for the death of the of, of the American ambassador and our, our people. He knew they would do that. We should have protected our American ambassador and those uh, people better. But he bears no responsibility. No, no. Not at all. The people who did it bear the responsibility. I, I just I just disagree. I think I, you know, I think I he think, could very I well be cut off people's heads and put it in videos, and we have to suck it up. And you know we don't have to. Is, we don't have to. We, we do. have we no. We, we are, what are you talking they, about? We they, spent a, a trillion and a half dollars going and dismantling Al Qaeda and killing Osama bin Laden and God knows who many other lieutenants. And then we went over and into Iraq and we fought. The, we're not like some wallflower sitting on the side. I'm pretty I sure the Muslim world has felt time. the weight and might of our power when we are ready to express it. That's it. We're, we're too, too slow to express it and too inefficient at it because, quite frankly, we don't have – we're good people and we will not do what it is necessary to, to root out something that's fanatic. Especially not in this day and age. Of All right, Brett, it's a good, it's a good thought. Oh, I got another number calling in. As always, you, you make a, you a salient point. Have Thanks, man. Hey, it's Sean Aston. You're live. Hey, Sean, it's Chuck. Yo, Chuck, talk to me. Uh, well, my perspective is a little different than the one you just heard. As you know, I live in an Islamic country. I'm an American expat who lives overseas. You're in Malaysia. And I'm sorry? You're in Malaysia. Yes. Yeah. Just and, for the listeners uh, who don't Malaysia is about as moderate an Islamic nation as you can get. So I do not mean to suggest that what I'm about to tell you applies to Malaysia. Okay. Um, but here's the reality of what's going on in this part of the world. These people live in countries where films do not get made that make fun of Christianity or Islam 
or films that denigrate anything because the government totally controls the making of film, TV, and news in all these countries. That's bad. Even in Malaysia, uh, uh, yeah, even in Malaysia, which is a very moderate country. I mean, I'm living in Kuala Lumpur, first world city, and I'm telling you that you don't make a movie here without submitting the scripts to FINAS, which is their government-run body for filmmaking. And if it deals in any negative way with religion, not just their religion, any religion, it doesn't get made. It doesn't get approved. So you've got people in countries where it is inconceivable to them that America allows this movie to get made because they're not allowed to do that in their countries. Their government totally controls it. So these people, the the average citizen in Egypt looks and says, well, obviously America has approved the making of this film. So they go after the American embassy. They're angry at the government. Well, Brett said, he, th- Brett said he thought that was a pretext. exercising his free speech because they don't understand free speech, not the way we do. Well, anyway, I guess that's my point. Uh, no, and I and I and I, it's a good it's a good point. I mean, I I feel like there's something specific about this movie where it's it's not a uh, it's it's not a movie. It's it's a it's a weapon. It's like if I was to say, you know, if we had a bunch of people with guns and they were pointing the guns, and I said, whoa, 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 cease fire, cease fire, don't don't shoot. Right now, hold your, you know, you have the weapon, you have the power, it's a loaded gun, you can point it and shoot it if you want, but judgment and wisdom indicate that you really shouldn't shoot that gun in that direction because it's going to cause more violence. And our, our free speech, the way he uses it, it was, it was a very, there was no, um, there's no cushion in the 14 minutes. Every, every 30 seconds is designed to inflame and it was delivered it was it was almost like a it was almost like a shot deliver this shot and you know exactly what you're going to get out of it and the guy's stated intention was to prove that they're violent and he did it and they and they were it makes me think that he you know i i i am very skeptical about being too hard on conspiracy theories i i, I sort of i i do allow myself to entertain them sometimes but th- this it it almost feels like he had help he had help delivering this, just creating this thing that could be used um, in, in that way to inflame the passions. I mean, Brett makes the point, and a lot of others make the point that it might have been a pretense to allow for what was clearly a coordinated uh, attack with trained people with weapons that are not the kind of weapons you get even at a at a hostile um, protest. You know, rocket launchers and stuff. Yeah, but we're talking two different things here. In in this part of the world, it is absolutely considered that the Libya incident had nothing whatsoever to do with what was going on in Cairo, and the and in the other um, location that was being well. What what was it then? What was different? Well, what, what, well, here's what here's the way it's viewed here, and I'm talking about on Al Jazeera, and which is a regular TV channel here, the Al Jazeera News Network, as well as CNN. Because we listen to a different feed than you do. We listen to their international um, the, uh, broadcasters. Mm-hmm. And the view in this part of the world is in Libya at first and in Cairo, they were protesting peacefully at the start. You know, yeah, they're throwing rocks and stuff, but they're not trying <laughs> to kill anybody. They're not, they're not firing weapons at them. And then all of a sudden, 
people showed up with like grenade launchers. And it was a very coordinated attack, and it is believed in this part of the world that it is a Al-Qaeda attack, and it's being universally condemned among the Islamic people. I mean, I have yet to hear They're anybody a slow. say... They were a little slow to condemn. They, they were a little slow to condemn. Egyptian... Yeah, well, in your part of the world, where you are down in, in South Asia, but the, uh, but the Egyptian president first condemned the film and then waited, I don't know, some period of time, 12 hours to 24, 36 hours before issuing a condemnation of the violence. You know, and it was like, whoa. So and then and then came with a full throated, uh, you know, we condemn and so forth. But, you know, I, I'm looking I pulled up a list in front of me just to get a little bit of perspective. Uh, it's it's the terrorist attacks on U.S. diplomatic facilities going back to like 1958. Ankara bombing embassy, 71 attack on the embassy softball game. November 79, Islamist riots destroy embassy in Islamabad. 83, I'm skipping a bunch, but in Beirut, Islamic Jihad, car bomb destroys the embassy. Uh, go to uh, Bogota in 84, the car bomb outside the embassy planted by the drug cartel. Lisbon, you know, um, Lima, Peru, car bomb outside the embassy in 93. Moscow in 95, an RPG fired on an embassy. 2000, I'm skipping a bunch, you know, Nairobi, um, Rome, Lisbon, Kuwait City, Karachi, 2002, Al-Qaeda truck bomb de detonates outside of the consulate, um, 2003, Islamabad, unknown gunmen attack embassy, 2004, Tashkent, Islamic movement of Uzbekistan, suicide bomber, Karachi, Damascus in 2006, Athens in 2007, Sana'a in 2008. Uh, Peshawar in 2010, and now Benghazi. So, you know, the United States of America is no stranger to having our our diplomatic, you know, sites attacked. Um, we get into a, uh, you know, it, it's a great thing to do to distract someone so that after your attack, you know, you, you have the people all riled up about something that had nothing to do with it. But we did move our warships. We are moving our warships into the off the coast and we are you know. and i think that's a good move i also believe the use of the drones as long as we have libya's permission which we do then then i believe you know we should go after these guys but i mean there's a difference between what happened in libya and what happened in cairo and i think it would be a grave mistake for americans to lump it all into one group all right, and assume it's a good it's, it's a good point it, man go ahead finish your thought yeah. i'm gonna jump no, it's just it's the, there is a lot of frustration over what happened. And yes, we look at it from our view of freedom of speech and say, well, they're misguided in aiming it at the government because we have freedom of speech. But it's not that's not a concept that makes sense to them. Even the Egyptian president, his comments over expecting the American government to chase these guys down who made this movie shows that. Their concept of how freedom of speech works in our world. They wanted to file a lawsuit. World. I thought that was promising. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chuck, let me jump yeah, and get this 334 like, number coming in. And the truth is, I think it's disgusting what this guy has done. But it's a slippery slope if we. To me, it's a, mil it's a military thing. What the guy did was a military. That, that film isn't a film, it's a military attack. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. It was made to incite. But then, it, does that become like. If they can ever find out who the guy really is, then 
the attorney general takes him to court and they try and prosecute him for inciting you know, yeah, well, I'm sure there are, listen, under the Bush administration, there was a whole slew of laws brought in so that we could round up our own people and hold them indefinitely without trying them for anything. I don't think, I think I would, I would repeal that in a heartbeat if I could, but I'm sure that, uh, putting Americans in, in danger, intentionally bringing violence to bear on your fellow citizen at home and abroad is a crime. It's, it's, it, I'm sure there's something that he could be prosecuted for. You know, it's it's a uh, you know, it's like uh, I I don't know, I don't know. Somebody, some what? lawyer somewhere, some international lawyer, some criminal lawyer. Let me know what it is. I'm sure that guy yeah. should be if in the fifties and sixties. We can go after the Ku Klux Klan. Please tell me we can go after a guy who creates this kind of violence. There you go. All right, I'm jumping. Thanks, Chuck. All right, take care. Hello, it's Sean Aston. You're on live Vox Populi. Hey, Sean. It's Heidi. Hi, Heidi. How you doing? Tell, good, good. Tell me what you think. We're we're all we're you know, there's so much to cover. Oh, absolutely. You're you're pretty fired up. <laughs> so um, you you were asking for some uh, opinions about um, how this uh, producer could possibly be prosecuted. Yeah. Okay. Just so, so I know the three three four the three three four number that's calling in. I'm going to get to you. Just don't oh, okay. don't give up on me. The three three four number, I see it, but I can only answer one call at a time. So, go ahead. Sure. No. 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 Go, Heidi. Go. Let me hear your. Let me hear. So, um, under the Patriot Act, it is possible that because his film was produced under duplicitous circumstances, and literally incited a riot, a terrorist act, even though said terrorist attack did not occur on. U.S. soil per se. Sure did. American embassy is American soil. I would say, as you mentioned, an American embassy is sovereign territory. It is U.S. soil. That's it. So they may be able to prosecute him under that. I'm sure they could. For Uh, inciting a terrorist act. Yeah. Causing a terrorist act. You know, he's as as complicit as the people who, who shot it. You know, if you if you if you're a guy and you say, okay, I'm going to give you a rocket launcher and I want you to go in there and I want you to try and kill somebody, you're you're you've coordinated an attack. This guy coordinated the attack. He knew what it would do. He said it was what it would do, and it did exactly what he said. By his own admission, man, you're that's you're culpable. You are legally and morally and ethically culpable. And and you know, free speech stops at the water's edge. We all know the the argument. You can't walk into a crowded room and yell fire. And that's what this right. guy did. He yelled fire. Exactly. Yeah. So, all and right. He said it was meant to incite, and, oh, it succeeded. Yes. Yes. All right, Heidi. Good. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, plenty. But, uh, <laughs> well, I, say, I mean, hold with me for a second. Let me, I'll, I'll wander into this next thing. One okay. of the things that we have to try and figure out to do as Americans when this happens is, and I love, I love that phrase, outpost. It's a diplomatic outpost. I don't think of the, our our embassy in in Moscow as an outpost. I think of that as a you know it's a it's it's a, it seems like it's a part of a civilized you know this this outpost. It's a part of a frontier land. Like when we were trying to settle the West, and we'd have we'd send you know what I mean. It's like the we are in uncharted waters. The the violence that's happening. The not just the violence, the physical violence, but the the mental, the psychological, the philosophical, the ideological violence, the, the turmoil that's happening there mm-hmm. is so kinetic that when we send our diplomat I, I was actually when we when when I heard that that our embassy in Libya was attacked, my first mm-hmm. thought was, 
we have an embassy in Libya? <laughs> like, is there even a government there? I mean, I haven't been paying attention in the couple months since they he died or whatever, however, however long it's been. Right. But, but you know, well, we I didn't have one for a long time. So, is it was it an embassy proper? I mean, I guess it was. They have a government, and is it a puppet government? Is it a real government? Is it? It's like a. Are they? Are is the government working with the? Is the Muslim Brotherhood working with whoever those extremists were to provide them? Cover. Maybe this is yeah. maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe this awful, tragic, m- murderous thing is an opportunity for us to go in there because we have every right now to go in there and and uh, work quote unquote with them to figure out right. uh, is this a is this a friendly thing? W- uh, under what circumstances would you think we should pull out of there? Uh, well, certainly, if the Libyan government decides that it's had enough of us and asks us to to stop, you know, working with them. Um, but uh, I, I saw somebody uh, mention on the Twitter feed that there was some sort of announcement that uh, the Libyan government had made some arrests. Um, I didn't follow up on the link that was posted. Um, but I think as long as the, the Libyan government attempts to function as a government that wishes to work with us, then yes, we should stay. But pulling out, um, we've got so many different reasons for um, severing diplomatic relations because if, if we leave, then I think that would constitute severing diplomatic relations. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, what, withdrawal. Under what circumstances should we withdraw? I would think the first is if we can't protect our people. Like we should have Marines surrounding them. We should. It should be a better fortified post. You know, and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if the reason they didn't have that was because we didn't want to put a military face on our embassy if we tried to seem like we were there under, or if we tried to present a a, a more you know, just a just a, a more passive, uh, you know, kind of interface with it, with their with their people. I don't know, Maybe, but I, but we did have an ex seal there. He was outgunned. True. We needed to have that better fortified. I mean, it's always easy after the fact to kind of quarterback it, but I don't know. You know, if you if if you, I, I don't want to second guess our Secretary of State and our President, and which is which is the next line. And when we come back from our break, which we're about to take, we're going to get into the politicization of this, of this thing, and then you know the the election. Americans really should think about how we prosecute our foreign policy and and military versus diplomacy and and what how how well are are uh, Obama and Clinton doing at this and and their their team and this this you know unfortunate drama with posting a, a tweeting or sending out a, a, a statement that seemed to be uh, trying to sympathize and and you know it's been characterized mm-hmm. as an apology and so we'll talk about that but but you know we. I think the the logic is and the hope is and we're betting with our lives or with the lives of our diplomats that being on the ground and trying to forge these relationships is ultimately the only way to peace. It's the only way to ultimately create peace uh, or it's it's the best possible way to create – You know, in the, in, mm-hmm. uh, but then I'm also looking at people here who are like, no, the way you create peace is you, you force people at the point of a gun to stop doing what they're doing. And uh, you know, I'm a, I, I've always thought of myself as – if not a pacifist, as certainly a, a person who leans towards uh, uh, dove than hawk. But uh, but it's it's a hard it's a hard call. So do we put do we say if the only way for us to be on the ground there is not to have it really well fortified with our with our uh, Marines, then then we'll just take that risk, or do we say we'll be in there to, to try and do this? But it, we will have a, mil- a strong military 
perimeter around our thing? Uh, you know, what is what is the Libyans' willingness to have us do that? What is it? What kind of message does right. it send to the rest of the Muslim world? I don't know, man. I don't know. We really do depend an awful lot on the skill of our diplomats. And, uh, you know, and, and they need they need support. OK, I'm going to go to a break. And uh, Heidi, thanks for calling. If you think of something else you want to talk about when you're listening to me, call right back. OK, you betcha, Sean. All right. Thanks. thanks. Bye bye. We'll be back in a minute. Vox Populi, voice of the now very interested people. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. The Soda Stream Soda Maker is fun as hell. The kids are going to love it. There's 50 different flavors, and it's healthy. There's no fructose, corn syrup, or aspartame. So pick one up at Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, Macy's, Kohl's, and Walmart. Or just go to SodaStream.com. This is your old PBX phone system. I won't be in today. I'm feeling kind of pricey. My hardware's acting up, and I got this big hole where my features should be, and I'm tired. I think I just need to lay here today, okay? Bye. Switch to Ring Central for a cloud-based phone system. There's no hardware to set up. It's loaded with features like smartphone and tablet management, and it's priced from $19.99 a month per user with unlimited calling. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. Whether it's a serious fall, fire danger, or other type of home emergency, Life Alert is there for you. The company with its slogan, Help, I've Fallen and I Can't Get Up, protects its members. Here are some of them. When you have a heart attack like I did and there's no one there, Life Alert was there for me. Having a secure feeling through Life Alert is ideal. My independence is possible because of it. Now, Life Alert can also protect you in a fire emergency with a system that automatically notifies our monitoring center. Thanks to Life Alert, you can live alone without ever being alone. With Life Alert protection, elderly people can avoid or delay going into a nursing facility. For a free brochure about Life Alert service, call now, 1-888-443-5588. That's 1-888-443-5588. Call Life Alert now for your free brochure at 1-888-443-5588. Every three minutes, another person falls further into credit card debt. Many credit card companies have nearly doubled their minimum monthly payment. People can barely afford to keep up. Here's the great news. With our powerful program, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. We are a nationwide nonprofit and have helped over 600,000 people with their credit cards. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-495-1307. That's 800-495-1307. Are you an inventor? Or do you know an inventor who would like to attempt to have an idea or invention patented and submit it to industry? For free information on how to get started, call InventHelp toll-free at 1-800-762-7000. InventHelp is America's largest invention company. Their referrals have helped inventors secure more than 7,000 patents, and they can provide free inventors' information for you. Find out how to record your invention's date of origination and get an informative brochure and other material of interest to new inventors. Get started by calling 1-800-762-7000. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product, you'll want to get this free inventor's information from InventHelp. Find out how to try to patent your invention and submit it to industry. Call now to get your free inventor's information. Call 1-800-762-7000. That's 1-800-762-7000. 
My mum always says hard work never hurt anybody. Good advice as usual. So we worked very hard to make Geico.com very easy. Say you want to report a claim and follow its progress. You can do it all online at Geico.com. Not to mention perhaps saving a tidy sum of money on your car insurance. All it takes is a few clicks. So visit Geico.com today. Oh, and Mum, if you're listening, yes, I did wash beyond my ears this morning. Gift giving can be stressful. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, and the list goes on. Don't let your next special date sneak up and catch you unprepared. You're just a click away from the perfect gift at RedEnvelope.com. RedEnvelope.com has always been the place online to find extraordinary, one-of-a-kind gifts. But now it's even better with hundreds of amazing gifts. Whether it's cool gadgets or awesome sports stuff for him or a customized piece of jewelry for her, you'll find it all at RedEnvelope.com. Fast, easy, and perfect. What more could you ask for? How about 20% off everything plus our signature red gift box free okay done just go to redenvelope.com and enter promotion code hurry at checkout no one needs to know how easy it was for you to find such a great gift that's our little secret you can even schedule that special gift delivery weeks in advance but hurry this deal won't last forever so go to redenvelope.com right now and enter promotion code hurry at checkout to get 20% off everything plus our signature red gift box free go to redenvelope.com code hurry that's redenvelope.com promo code hurry the food in your grocery store comes with an expiration date, but the hard drive in your computer doesn't. Without warning, your computer could crash and you could lose your files forever. Are your files backed up right now and ready to survive a crash? They will be if you have automatic online backup from Carbonite. Plans for home and small business start at just $59 a year. Start your free trial at Carbonite.com with offer code PROTECT and get two bonus months with purchase. Carbonite.com. Offer code PROTECT. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Welcome back to Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. Welcome to hour number two of Vox Populi, a political talk show for people who spend more time managing their lives than their point of view. Here's your host, Sean Astin. Hello, everybody. We are back. I'm your host, Sean Astin. This is Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people, and you're listening to us on the Toad Hop Network. All right, so today we're talking about the attack on the American embassy in Libya and the follow-on demonstrations and attacks in uh, Egypt and Yemen. We haven't really talked about Yemen specifically, but we're kind of surrounding it. Um, there's there's so much to to wade into, and and I'm look at, during the break I was looking through the. Uh, Twitter feed, and it's just great. I mean, I just love how people are contributing to the conversation, and the thoughts are really good. And um, it's funny, you know, when you make, when you or someone else makes a point, somehow the the way that that point is framed, it seems to create an impression about another point. Um, one, for example, was um, was somebody saying that they. Uh, they didn't understand how you can talk about you know going after the person who made the film rather than the person who the people who did the violence. And I, I started off, I mean, depending on when people came in, saying that the violence is, um, you know, those people have to be caught, and those people or whatever group is sponsoring it. I mean, there is the discussion of whether or not it is a uh, a, a nation a nation state that's supporting it. You know, B 
be it Egypt or Yemen or Libya, are are the the formal forces of government, you know, secretly doing things to uh, stoke and provoke and plan and coordinate and and uh, uh, arm and whatever? Are they doing that, or or are they not? Is it is it a group that's uh, not a a nation group? Um, you know, if it if that's the case, then it's probably a great idea to be working really closely with those governments. And boy, would it be nice if our citizens made it easier for our government to work with other governments uh, for, as, a, as a practical matter. Um, so – but there's – you know, it, it, how we make decisions in this country about what to do um, – you know, it, it becomes it becomes our business to know what we think and how we feel and to choose soon in two months and less less than two months. It's still fifty something days until the presidential election. So uh, Governor Romney um, made a very quick and sharp attack on uh, President Obama and and uh, the State Department and the uh, the embassy for uh, putting out a statement that said uh, – let me see if I can – let me see if I can read that. Political fact, one staffer is doing um, – did the U.S. Embassy in Cairo make an apology, which is what Governor Romney and a number of others said. Go R Romney said it so fast. It was still in the middle of the, uh, the drama that was unfolding. So he was, uh, he was rebuked by everyone for, for – you know, speaking too quickly, uh, maybe not everyone, but but certainly a lot of people in his own party and the mainstream press and and you know his opponent, the president. Uh, the embassy in Cairo put out a statement after their grounds had been breached. Um, the embassy and the statement condemned the uh, the video. The Embassy of the United States in Cairo condemns the continuing efforts by misguided individuals to hurt the religious feelings of Muslims as we condemn efforts to offend believers of all religions. Today, so let me read that again. The Embassy of the United States in Cairo condemns the continuing efforts by misguided individuals to hurt the religious feelings of Muslims as we continue – as we condemn efforts to offend believers of all religions. Today, meaning, yeah, today, the 11th anniversary of September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks on the United States, Americans are honoring our patriots and those who serve our nation as the fitting response to the enemies of democracy. Respect for religious beliefs is a cornerstone of American democracy. We firmly reject the actions by those who abuse the universal right of free speech to hurt the religious beliefs of others. Wow. Wow. I don't think that's an apology. I think and, – and what happened was this, this was um, said to be uh, – this – the chronology of this, it was put out before the compound had been breached. So it was clearly done um, as a way to try and calm people down, calm down the crowd outside. So uh, Governor Romney sort of – got it wrong that it was said after the fact as an apology. But his interpretation, I'm sure he would think, still stands. Um, hold on. Let me get this phone call. Hello. This is Sean. You're live on Vox Populi. Go on. Uh, OK. So his interpretation, I'm sure, would be the same, which is we believe in free speech 
even if that speech hurts your feelings. Uh, because that's the nature of free speech. We're not going to apologize for that. That's that's Romney's point of view. Um, and what this person, this individual, uh, I have another little piece here from the uh, cable foreign policy that one of the uh, Twitterers sent to me. Inside the public relations disaster at the Cairo embassy, one staffer at the U.S. embassy in Cairo was responsible for the statement and tweets Tuesday that have uh, become grist for the presidential campaign, and that staffer ignored explicit State Department instructions not to issue the statement. One U.S. official close to the issue told uh, the cable. Two additional administration officials confirmed the details of this account when contacted late Wednesday by the cable. The statement issued as a press release on the U.S. Embassy website has been attacked by Republican challenger Mitt Romney, uh, lawmakers, and conservatives around the country as an inappropriate quote-unquote apology uh, and a failure to stand up for American principles such as freedom of speech. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. You're standing inside a compound that's not that well guarded, depending on your Egyptian hosts to security f forces to push the crowd aside. Are, are they supposed to be martyrs? <laughs> are they supposed to like stand in the center of the room with their arms crossed or not issue maybe maybe not issuing a statement would have been better just don't issue any statement or wait till you're given an instruction from the from the secretary of state about what you're supposed to say but obviously this person you know did what they thought was right in that moment and so um i have some i have some different sound bites to play of this i want to make sure i don't waste our time and get to the right ones but um the Middle East, no, uh, no, those are my questions. Embassy attack. Okay, I have. Um, let's play Romney for a second. Here's Romney after the uh, attack. His first statement. No, that's gonna do an advertisement for a minute. Okay, um, <sighs> he was very forceful. Romney was when he had to defend – he was asked to defend his initial criticism. OK, here we go. With tragic news and felt heavy hearts. I'm going to skip forward a little. Of all of us who think of these people He's who have very served during their lives yeah. the cause of freedom and justice and honor. We, uh, we mourn their loss and join together in prayer that the spirit of the Almighty might comfort the families of those who have been so brutally slain. Four diplomats lost their life, including the U.S. Ambassador J. Christopher Stevens in the attack on our embassy at Benghazi, Libya. And of course, with these words, I extend my condolences to the grieving loved ones who have left behind as a result of these who have lost their lives in the service of our nation. And I know that the people across America are grateful for their service, and we mourn their sacrifice. America will not tolerate attacks against our citizens and against our embassies. We'll defend also our constitutional rights of speech and assembly and religion. We have confidence in our cause in America. We respect our Constitution. We stand for the principles our Constitution protects. 
we encourage other nations to understand and respect the principles of our Constitution because we recognize that these principles are the ultimate source of freedom for individuals I'm going to around play that again. I'm going to back that up a little bit. Respect our Constitution. I'm going to back it up. We'll defend also our Let's constitutional rights of speech and assembly and religion. We have confidence in our cause in America. We respect our Constitution. We stand for the principles our Constitution protects. We encourage other nations to understand and respect the principles of our Constitution. Wow. Because we recognize wow. that these principles... We encourage. We encourage other nations to respect our thing. How do we encourage that? That word encourage is a little dubious right there. It sort of goes against what he's saying. He's saying we're going to, you know, defend ourselves. I don't know. It's an, I just think that's an interesting word that he chose to use there. Encourage them. We. I would say the word encourage suggest that it's done uh, through uh, some sort of a diplomatic conversation or by example. But he's making a decidedly more hawkish statement here. So I think that word belies. Principles are the ultimate source of freedom for individuals around the world. I also believe the administration was wrong to stand by a statement sympathizing with those who had breached our embassy in Egypt instead of condemning their actions. It's never too early for the United States government to condemn attacks on Americans and to defend our values. The White House distanced itself last night from the statement, saying it wasn't cleared by Washington. And that reflects the mixed signals they're sending to the world. The attacks in Libya and Egypt underscore that the world remains a dangerous place and that American leadership is still sorely needed. In the face of this violence, America cannot shrink from the responsibility to lead. How? What American is leadership is necessary to ensure that events in the region don't spin out of control. We cannot hesitate to use our influence in the region How? What to support what those who share our values. Okay, here's the thing, Governor Romney, is, uh, is, is their platitudes. And I can use platitudes on this stupid radio show because it's just you 16,000 and me talking. But this man is potentially going to be the next president of the United States. And he's, he's, he's criticizing within, you know, while there are still ongoing, you know, hordes at the gates, literally. He's, he's criticizing the fact that a real-time decision was made by an embassy to put out a statement and that right away the president of the United States didn't throw his people under the bus because he's like, hey, there's smoke in there. They're, they're smelling smoke, literally physically smoke. And they and, I, you know, I'll have plenty of time to suggest that they could have used a different course. It was, was essentially what Obama was saying. And then at night they sort of walked back from it because they, they, they did agree that, you know, the reading that Romney has is a legit reading. You know, you don't want to walk away from your values. But but how do you – is it really – I guess my question, please call in if you haven't thought about this. Is it really a mixed signal for the diplomats on the ground to say we condemn – OK, hold on. I got somebody here. Hey there. It's Sean. Who's this? You're live on the air. Sean, hi. Uh, this is uh, Mohammed. I'm uh – I'm, I'm ringing from the UK. Hey, Mohammed. Thanks so much for calling. Were you the, um, did you tweet me about have I had a Muslim on the show yet? 
<laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I wondered uh, whether you'd had anybody on yet. Are you my first Muslim? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds a bit dodgy. But, uh, oh, for yeah. Pete's sake. I mean, are you the first guest on the show who uh, is a self-identified Muslim? Because if you are, I say welcome to Vox Populi and please thank you for joining the conversation. Tell me what you're thinking about. No, no. More than that, you, you know what it is. I, I do various bits and pieces in the UK and um, somebody who follows me on Twitter sent me a message and said this was, there was a really interesting chat show going on out in the States and I should tune in. So unfortunately, I've missed the... I think I missed the first chunk of your show, but um, just before you put the Romney bit on, I, I was very, very um, interested in what you were saying about the, and, and one of your callers particularly, about what they perceive as being the Muslim um, reaction to, to what's been going on. So um, I thought I'd bring up and have a chat. Well, all right. So, so it seems what, what everyone is saying publicly, the governments, there was a spontaneous... Um, uh, a gathering of people in the streets of Libya the next day, sort of, you know, decrying the violence that happened. You know, that wasn't yeah. as covered as largely, but the but the the governments there, our government is saying that we know that this is not the work of the uh, a large amount of the of the Islamic people. That this is a smaller group of people that are very radical and so forth. What, what's your thought? Well, the first thing is, I mean, the first I call wind of the story was this morning at about half past seven uh, UK time, and occasionally I do tune in for Fox, and that's probably about six hours after Bill O'Reilly goes out for the second time. So I don't know if that, if that gives you some idea of what time that is in the US. But um, at half past seven, we had a we had a report come out in the uh, Daily Telegraph, one of the, the main newspapers out here, saying that analysts had speculated that the attack on the embassy wasn't due to um, a reaction on the um, on the film issue on the film that had been made, and there were about 200 armed. Uh, and I've got the, I mean I've got the article in front of me. Um, no, this is uh, this is along the lines of what we've been talking about, and what seems yeah. to be the the you know kind of a prevailing thrust of the coverage is that maybe the 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 film you know really got people outraged so that they were they were protesting in the streets but the actual attack the people with the mortar you know the ro the rocket propelled grenades yeah. and the and the rocket launcher whatever you know that it was a coordinated attack of well you know well well armed well trained individuals and so the question you got to ask is who's coordinating them and and who are they who are they working well, for it, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I mean absolutely I mean the, the the general thrust of the information we have here is that it, it looked like an armed militia who had um, who had coordinated the attack I think what one of the reasons I wanted to ring in is I think it's important to put this, um, firstly to give a Muslim voice to some of these things, um, hopefully to try and shed some light on um, the general consensus within a lot of the Muslim population and certainly on social media and people I've spoken to. You know, Just as, tell as, me as what you think. Your opinion is good enough. I'll tell you what I think. I'll, okay, I'll tell you what I think. I mean, we, we, one of the things we have to be aware of is that there, there is this perception that Muslims are somehow violent, somehow they are aggressive, somehow they are non-thinking, that they hold their faith in such um, irrational high esteem that the minute you say anything towards them or look at them in a slightly skewed way, they will become incensed and react and, and um, that they're somehow zealots and they, they, will, they will come at you violently, which is absolutely not the truth. It's not the truth. Um, Certainly in, I know in the U.S. and in, in the West and in Europe, we have Muslims who uphold the Islamic tradition. I mean, you, the first thing for some of your callers or, or listeners may not be aware of is that we have a 
thousand-year-old contribution of Muslims and Islam to the West. Muslims were coming to the Americas 500 years before Christopher Columbus even set foot in the Americas. They had been peacefully trading, intermarrying. There was no genocide of the Native American uh, Aboriginal population in the U.S., or, which is now the U.S., while the Muslims were trading. And, um, and, it, and it's often things that get overlooked. We call this all pre-Columbian. And so firstly, we, we have got this big gap in our collective consciousness about what is Islam, does it have something relevant to say, and do we need to recognize the contribution? And the problem is this, that when we don't look at Islam in a, in a proper context, and we mis miseducate our young people, we, we select what we teach them in schools, and we censor, and we leave lots of other things out, people go up saying, well, actually, um, you are the other. You are alien to us. Your ways are alien to us. I don't recognize where you're coming from. And then all of these things that we are seeing played out in front of us fit into that pressure cooker, which is a reality. Islam, for a thousand years, pioneered thoughts of critical thinking. Within Western Christendom, um, there was no concept of humanism before the Muslims, because Christianity had considered that everything outside of their sphere of thought and learning was, um, you know, uh, uh, came from... Um, the devil was, 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 was led by, you know, was, was kind of a, a non-believer's thing. Uh, and so it wasn't tolerated. Any science or learning outside of Christendom wasn't tolerated. And it was the first experiences meeting with Muslims, having a dialogue, having critical discussions where Muslims said, hold on a second, guess what? There is some other learning out there and we should have a dialogue. So critical thinking, discourse, Occam's razor, um, if anybody who watches House, the, the popular <laughs> television program with um, Hugh Grant, um, this is his system of thinking, his, his rationality and his scientific thinking. All of those, um, all of that groundwork was put down by pioneering Muslim scholars, imams, and sheikhs. So I, I want to get one thing clear, which is critical thinking is not alien to Islam. In fact, it, it predates. All right, so so let me ask you. Critical thinking. Let, let me ask you then. Just I mean, you, you covered a, a, a lot of ground there, and, and uh, you know, some of it we'd have to have our uh, we'd have to sit down with historical, like real good historians, and have conversations about how we, you know, I don't know if we're carbon dating different, uh, you know, modes of transportation from the east to the west. But the, what I what I want to know is specifically with regard to depicting images of Muhammad. Yeah. What would you like tonight? Well, it is – I'd say it is commonly understood in America that yeah. if you do it, whether it's in a cartoon form or other form, it will elicit a very strong uh, reaction and likely a violent reaction in some quarter of the Muslim world, uh, even if it's not among the critical thinkers uh, in, the, in the faith that you're describing. W tell me, tell me your, your feeling about that. Okay. The first thing is the depictions of the prophet, depictions of any prophets, God. I mean, Muslims stick very, very strongly to the Ten Commandments, okay? Um, and thou shalt not have any graven image of anything in the heavens and above, the earth and in the seas and below, i.e. anything with a soul in it or anything that is divine. You cannot depict according to the Old Testament. Christ followed that and Muslims accordingly follow that. Because Muslims consider Islam the completion of the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of the divine revelation, take it one big chain, Muslims consider that the Quran and Islam it, it effectively completes the jigsaw puzzle, 
all right, that picture, which is what is God's chosen religion for mankind. So Muslims have got no problem working with other faiths and being tolerant. But, you ha but looking back throughout Islamic history, we know that within decades, if not the earliest centuries after the death of the Prophet uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him, that there were depictions of the Prophet in Islamic, in Persian, in Indian um, texts and scriptures and inscriptions from the earliest days. So um, it's frowned upon, and it's in, some will go, some hardliners will say it's strictly forbidden. And as other Muslim rulers and other caliphs came to, to rule the Muslim empire, which within a hundred years after the death of the Prophet had grown wider than the Roman Empire, they were scratching out faces on pictures and scribbling them out of books. So different rulers had different interpretations of what they thought was okay and wasn't. In the modern context, um, you have to look at one important thing. There is a overwhelming civil rights crisis for Muslims in the UK, in Europe, and in the States. They are the most discriminated against group, the most marginalized, alienated. They are the most unemployed group. They are suffering the most in terms of welfare reforms and cuts. They are, in, certainly within the UK, they are at the bottom of all of the social indicators. So they have been hammered, absolutely hammered, and in old-fashioned language you can say, if you look at the statistics, possibly even oppressed. 80% uh, almost of Muslims living in the UK live on or below the poverty line. In the UK, which is meant to be this, this cradle of democracy. Um, and all of a sudden, if you have this situation where you have people, you have pounded them and ground them into the ground, into the dirt. And for a hundred years, we've had almost non-stop intervention, war, uh, attack, um, uh, disruption within what I'd call Muslim territories loosely within the Middle East from foreign powers. The Arab Spring has been merely the overturning of um, one, two or more generations of, uh, I hate saying, puppet um, dictators who have been installed by the West by the CAA and by MI5 and MI6. So we, we, we look at that situation and then we say, right, well, the Arab Spring is saying, actually, we want to go back to proper, authentic Muslim rule, not people who've been installed from the outside. So whether you look in the Middle East, whether you look in the West, Muslims are getting a really hard time. There's a lot of information and ignorance out there, remarkably, in 2012. Now you suddenly get, and, and, I, and I heard you talk very, uh, with great erudition, with great sensitivity, about how this film is being used as a, let's call it what it is, which is a weapon of mass destruction. And this, this bomb has been dropped on these people who feel completely subjugated. Well, how do we expect them to react? And, and I, I don't condone violence. The Prophet forbade any kind of extremism. The Prophet forbade any kind of um, un-Islamic behavior to have, and the Muslims must have high moral standards and they must have uh, impeccable behavior. But when you squeeze people, when you press them, when you really push them, and you throw them to the margins of society, and you alienate them, and you spread lies and misinformation and hysteria about them, and then suddenly you poke fun at them, and you mock them, and you spread hate about them, guess what? It's understandable that they're gonna react. All right, so so much so much to, uh, to respond. One, one thing is the marginalization of anybody is uh, not okay. F people should have equal treatment under the law. People should have 
and a, and, a, and a great civilization. I believe, you know, food, shelter, clothing, health care, and a good education. That's, I don't know, maybe I'm a, somebody who call me a socialist, but I think that in a great civilization, that's what people should have. But it's a, it's, it is a shame that, um, that this conversation between you and I, and likely a lot of the others that are, that are happening today, uh, are, are sort of, uh, made possible as a, as a an adjunct to to the the violence that's that's taking place, and I suppose you know when people want to stop violence, they listen to each other a little. They either kill each other or they they stop and finally listen to each other. But one one or the other. But but at the moment, you know, we, we, you know, taking into account the historic uh, suffering of a people or subjugation of a people, depending on you know how you interpret history and and you know. Yeah. Um, the, you know, when you say it's understandable, I, I think some people might think you mean that it's, um, you know, it's you can understand the causes that lead to something. And when people are poor or they're suffering or they feel that there's no outlet, they are more likely, uh, you know, if they're agitated, if they're in a hot climate, uh, they're 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 you know maybe more likely to be provoked into into violence. So, be that as it can may. I, can, I, can I clarify one thing? If that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, go. Yeah, sorry, sorry. There's a, a small um, a delay without phone lines. Um, I just want to clarify my comment, which is that what I'm saying is understandable is that an oppressed people, a marginalized people, when you poke a stick at them, they'll, they'll react. What I'm not saying is okay, and what I'm certainly not condoning is any kind of violence, any loss of life. There are ways to respond. However, we have to look in the round, and we have to be, I think, fair and moderate and reasonable at how we assess the situation. Um, if, uh, you know, if we have uh, um, a deliberate attempt to provoke a response, which is, I think, what, what I caught you saying earlier on, which is it's a deliberate attempt to incite hatred, to... To incite violence. violence. That was his stated intention. He said, I know these people will be violent if I do this, and I'm going to do it, and I'll prove to you that they're going to be violent. And they yeah. did, and he said that's exactly what I expected. So it was, yeah... So yeah, yeah and, I, and I and I think you make and I think you make a you know a phenomenally important point there, which is that if we turn to our partners, our husbands, our wives, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, and we say to them, um, "Guess what? You look hideous in that dress," or "Good grief, your backside looks enormous in those pair of jeans," right? We're going to upset them. Now, what kind of enlightened society do you have where we go around thinking that hurting people's feelings? Well, I mean being, the 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 idea of in in my society, in my government, hold on one second. I want to uh, hopefully I won't drop you off here, Mohammed. But, uh, hold on just a second. Hello there. This is Sean. You're on the air. Who are you? Uh, hi, this is Garth. Hey, Garth. I want I, I grabbed your call because I didn't want you to go away, but I want to see if I can get you to hold on for a minute while I finish up with Mohammed over here. Okay. Okay. Sure. All right. Now I'll tell you what. If you don't mind, as soon as you hear me hang up, the, our, our phone system stinks. So as soon as you hear me hang up, call back. I see your 334 number. I'll pick you up. Okay? Okay. I'm a little bit behind, but yeah. Okay. Sure. That's all right. I'll see you. All right. Now let me get back to Muhammad here. Hey, Muhammad, I'm there. Are you there? That's, that, yeah, that's fine. Look, whoever's calling me up from the States, tell them to have a bit of sympathy because I'm, I'm calling from the UK. <laughs> he understands. So <laughs> well, the... The idea that it's it's a it's a military reality that has to be you know if, if my government is my government's responsibility is to protect the citizens of my country 
and you're you're in my country. Have worked together pretty well a lot uh, um, mm-hmm. since our big war a couple hundred years ago. But the uh, but we we've worked together pretty well. We have to account for the fact that when our citizens exercising their right that we have codified for them to say whatever the hell they want to say, whether we like it or not, are going to provoke violence from someone else. And I I sort of accept this particular film now uh, because this particular film is clearly a uh, a war tool in my my estimation. But but – we have to sort of allow our, our diplomats have to allow our military has to accommodate you know for the fact that this violent reaction to depicting the prophet Muhammad. I mean, I, I'm respectful of religion. Most of the people I know are very respectful and wouldn't want to do that. Um, but at the same time, when there, there's there's pushback, I don't know. It's it's a divide that it's going to take many many years to really try and get sensitive with each other about so that so that as a matter of course. Um, you know, certain Americans who might want to be uh, inflammatory would at least have a greater appreciation for who they're offending and why. But in the interim, I think so. I, I, no, I'm I just say, I think, firstly, that the the context of the constitutional right to free speech in America is 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 famously understood. However, even within the U.S., you don't have the absolute. Like you said, you cannot try um, fire in a crowded theater. Um, there is not an absolute right to free speech. You cannot commit treason. You cannot uh, disclose uh, 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 official secrets. You cannot um, uh, conspire to commit crimes. There's not an absolute right to free speech. Free speech has certain limits. And in every country of the world, free speech has limits. And I think it's important to make clear to people that this Hollywood-esque almost, and pardon the pun, but it's Hollywood-esque almost, um, uh, uh, idea that there's an absolute right to free speech and we can say whatever we want to whoever we want whenever we want isn't the reality and in an enlightened society we expect people of that society to be able to live in safety and harmony and peace and tolerance and that begins with <laughs> it would be easier to do begins- if people didn't get violent when somebody draws a picture in a newspaper of 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 the the prophet muhammad like they did like as, as happened I, in I, Denmark. I'd, I'd certainly agree with that uh, and, and, and you're not going to get me to disagree with that. <laughs> so I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Right. I just I just the sensitivity thing is so important. And my show is all about civility. And it's and we're, we're I want to live in a, in a in a society, in a civilization, a world where people can express themselves freely. I, I it's going to be just as difficult for Americans to get behind the idea that being that depicting or be, whether it's in sat, satire is important in our culture. It's important. We love our satire, and it's and it's it's a part of how we, uh, you know, assimilate our our political uh, confusion. It's a part. You know, you watch the the, Stewart, the John Stewart show. I mean, we 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 go after our own big time all the time. It's it's part of how we think. So to be able to say that's fine, but the the standard isn't just that your physical safety is threatened because of a stampede in a movie theater or because a crime is being uh, perp- you know uh, con- uh, coordinated uh, to rob a bank and and possibly you know shoot a guard or all the kinds of the the things that you just enumerated. The standard for Americans is your religious figures, your religious idols are fair game for my critique. And if the Muslim standard is it's not okay, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really, really hard to to bridge that. And and I think um, um, I think in my estimation, 
Muslims are going to have to – the extreme Muslims – because ultimately I think uh, – I'll finish the point. The, the extreme Muslims are going to have to realize that responding violently to a, to a depiction in film or television or uh, and whatever of the sacred uh, uh, person in their, in their religion is not going to work because the military might of the world is ultimately not going to stand for it. And so the yeah, way to, the way of getting to it is not violent. Which is, which, which is where does the United States and Britain have enshrined the absolute right to intervene into sovereign nations and states and to attack and kill and maim and destroy towns, cities, people? Where I mean, we. we I'll we tell you what. I think it's a recent we, we development. Really, I, well, I'll just finish this point. We we very recently have just seen the 11th uh, anniversary of the horrific attacks of 9/11, committed uh, arguably and uh, allegedly by um, Saudis. In response to that, we've now caused the death of some will say John Hopkins University and the Lancet, the British Medical Journal in the, in the United Kingdom, will say we've caused the deaths of almost two million people in Iraq. Now. Where, where do countries get off invading, uh, attacking, and, and destroying other nations? Well, here's the thing that's really a bummer in, in our 21st century, is that this thing called asymmetrical warfare. And if a group of people can cause mass destruction without having a state sponsor, then wherever they are, it becomes in the mind of – listen, unfortunately, might makes right. Until it doesn't. So no, we, nobody has a right to impede somebody else's sovereign territory unless it's a threat, and then you're in a war posture. But you, you and I actually are agreeing that violence is not the answer. You've said I wouldn't goad you into it. You haven't moved. What I'm saying is that as the process of developing understanding, because it's not going to happen in a minute or a day, of understanding that people who've been oppressed for a long time are entitled to have a little extra sensitivity to their – uh, to their life and their reality and, and validate their existence, you know, that we're going to have to meet each other halfway. And if people are violent, even if it's a distraction, I mean, I think, I think now, you know, the, the, uh, this, this concept is hardening up until we get new information. I haven't turned on the news in the last two hours, so I, I don't know. But if the idea is that this was a, a distraction to rile up people, you know, people in the streets while an actual coordinated military style thing was executed, that's something different. But, if the people in the street, you know, I, I I wonder like what a brisk business American flags are in the Middle East because they're, every time something like this happens, they pull out one. That, I don't know if I could find an American flag that that's big enough to burn that fast. You know, they, the the if we want to get along, you know, violence isn't the answer. It's amazing what you can get. It's amazing what you get on eBay nowadays. Yeah, I get, well, but they I, well, I suppose. Anyhow, I am so. I hope you become a frequent caller of the show because I think you you're, you speak. Uh, with we're, such uh, we're alacrity. The, we're going to have to do something about the fable in the future, sure. But I'll just leave you one thought, if that's okay. Which yep. is that before World War One, and people will think this is a million years ago, but it's certainly not. Before World War One, before we had nation states to speak of, the Muslim territory was one where you could walk from the coast of Morocco, and I'll invite some of your listeners to, to get a map out, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, right? To walk from the coast of Morocco through North Africa, through the Middle East all the way to India and to China without crossing a border and a boundary. We lived in a borderless society. And who, and who ensured that? Place place. Who ensured that? Well, that, 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 that was done 
under a Muslim caliphate at that time. It kind of goes, it works against your premise a little bit. Under an Islamic empire, but the hundred years after that has been a hundred years of war. And if we want to stop a hundred years of war, we're going to need to think really seriously as human beings about what kind of society we want to live in. How do we find common ground between people of faith and of different beliefs, of different sexualities? And how can we stop the hate and learn to live in a much more peaceful dialogue with each other? So, well, for my end, I'll work on people not. not for my end, I'll, I'll continue to speak out against folks who exceed their free speech, that, that abuse the concept of their, their uh, constitutional right to, to free speech. And, and they're, when, when they're actually being violent. And you work on people responding violently to, uh, you know, well-intentioned or poorly-intentioned depictions or, or critiques of, of, uh, of, their, of a religious, uh, of their religious leader. I think if, if we I can will, do that. I will stand shoulder to shoulder with you, brother, on that issue. Okay? Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, Mohammed. And we'll, I'll look forward to hearing from yeah, you in the coming, uh, weeks. Cheers. Goodbye, man. Wow. All right. So what did we just do? Was that like uh, was that a summit? Did we just do a summit? I want to play here um, an inner getting back to the uh, this concept of, of um, Romney and his timing, Governor Romney and his timing of his his uh, thing. And I just want to play a clip from from Anderson Cooper, uh, Anderson whatever three sixty uh, on CNN with Ari Fleischer, the former, um, press secretary for president Bush. Just listen to this. Sir said last night that the administration's first response to the death of an American had been to apologize. Now, regardless of what someone may think of governor Romney's statement, uh, isn't it clear from the timeline that, that the heart. Hey there, you're back again. It's Sean. Hey, Hey there. No, no, no. I, 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 well, I, I told you I'd answer. So go ahead and do you want to, you want to hear the clip and talk about the clip? Well, actually, I was, I was, well, I, I wanted to make one statement and, and I actually did want to talk about the Ari Fleischer clip. Okay. So if you want to play that, I'd. Oh, okay. Here comes, here comes the Ari Fleischer clip. Part of his attack was not accurate. That statement from the embassy was put out before the assault on and before the assault on the consulate in Benghazi and is a tweet by an embassy worker, really administration, a statement by the Obama administration. Anderson, I thought you did a good job walking people through the timeline, and I'm glad to see that you put the piece up at the end where the administration, the officials in Egypt, which are our State Department, part of the Obama administration, reiterated support for that initial foolish, misguided statement after the attack took place. Mm. What I would have done if I was advising Mitt Romney was I would have made sure there was a clear reference to that we stand, that the administration stood by our Egyptian embassy's earlier statement. I think if they had done that, they'd have been on sol more solid ground. But I, I think Mitt Romney was making a broader, bigger point about but, the Obama administration but wait, but wait, Sorry, but was it the administration stand? Because the administration basically retracted the, the statement. That was the statement from the administration. It was the sure. embassy which reiterated the statement and said, and we also criticized the breach of the embassy. Well, it's, a, it's a fine distinction, but I don't think you can separate an embassy from the administration. The embassy is a tool, arm of the administration. I say that in the benevolent sense of a tool. That is what administrations do. They have embassies that represent the administration. All right. So, go, I mean, I want to stop there because that's where I want to go after uh, Ari's slick yeah. spin but go ahead well i just i i oh so many things on the topic but ari's thing specifically it's like does he not realize that embassies are populated by bureaucrats who have been around for years and years decades through multiple different administrations with different viewpoints and they're just they're 
cogs in the wheel. They're doing their job. They are not an arm of the administration. It's like lumping. Our no, I think I disagree. I think I disagree with you. Our, it, it would be like lumping our military in with the politics of our president. <laughs> I think I disagree with you. In a direction, but. The, the, I think the mission, the stated mission of the State Department and our embassies is to actually be specifically an, uh, the, the political arm of our government. So what, when, when they do speak, they speak on behalf of the president. But that doesn't mean that they get it right all the time. So I think Ari's right in that that's what they are. But I think he's wrong for calling it a misguided – he calls it a misguided, foolish thing when these people are scared. It was a scared attempt to try and tamp it down. So, uh, you know, he, he it, it shows a it's a, he's defending a political movement by Governor Romney as a dutiful partisan soldier. And he's giving no uh, latitude towards. Uh, and by the way, when you say these these diplomats have been there, the whole their whole, uh, you know, for a long time, I think this was a younger person who put this out. So I don't know how much experience they had in that world and maybe a more. True, uh, more sophisticated person. They probably won't be fired as soon as the next president comes in office. They will probably. Yeah, they're professionals. They go through. They're they're institutional. Yeah, of course you're right. Let's hear. You, let's I go know, for I a little more. On, there's certain ambassadors that are appointed, but for the most part, the people who actually well, they're all appointed. Are in, they're all are, they're all, are, all the ambassadors are appointed. Employees? Can you hear me? Yeah, uh, uh, all the all I know. Sorry about that. All of the, uh, it, the ambassador is a dip, is a presidential appointment. They're all appointed. The 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 administrative, you know, the people who work under the ambassador. They they're you know they're career people who they that's you're absolutely right. That's what they do. That's their their job. And and as administrations come and go, you know, in, including um, uh, uh, sorry. Including um, Ambassador uh, Christopher Stevens, is it Stevens? I want to make sure I get his name right. Uh, yeah, Christopher Stevens. He he, he was a uh, you know he served loyally under different different administrations. So, but what was you were going to make another point? What was the the, the first the original point you were going to well, make? Well, well, let me say real quick before I jump to that. Uh, I I don't say I'm not saying that this embassy wasn't culpable in their action. But I'm saying to link it directly to the administration is wrong. To link, to link it to our government, sure. I, I, my father was in the army, and I, he served in Germany for a little while. And I fully understand that every every American citizen, while we're out in the world, are an ambassador of our country, and we are the face of our country. So we should act accordingly. Often we don't, but we should. So I get that point. I'm not arguing that point. I'm just finding the politics of linking it to an administration to to a specific political party is who's in office is is ridiculous now my other point that i was gonna bring up was that i think we should qualify what's actually happening in the region because these this level of protest is is in multiple stages you have your um nine no, no, uh occupy wall street style and then you have the branch that was in Oakland that actually got violent. You know, the, the people in New York had no control over that. And and to lump it all together is wrong. And then I think with Libya, you have something that's akin to the Oklahoma City bombing. You know, we just, we can't um, lump all these protests as one cohesive unit. I mean, 
Egyptians are not Libyans, and Libyans are not. So Yemen. what? What do you think um, Romney's real critique of Obama was in that moment? He's basically saying Obama, as an executive, did the wrong thing. What do you think his his accusation was? Well, I, I'm a bleeding heart liberal, so I I think he was uh, just saying uh, Obama can't lead the country. I can lead the country. Stump speech, go. So you know, I I I, I, I toned it out. I, I was felt a little offended by. It. I felt a little offended by the fact that he didn't go back and say, well, maybe I, I jumped the gun a little. I didn't know all the facts. Because what are we, three days later and we're still finding out who the director of this film was. We're still trying to figure out who may have perpetrated uh, these attacks in Libya. And um, I just, I think he should have sat on it. He should, he, he should not have tried to capitalize immediately. He has another two months to capitalize on um, any political advantage of this. And I think he just... He was way too early. Well, I mean, that's the consensus, and uh, you know, I can see if I was uh, if I was him, I would want to demonstrate that my my conviction, my judgment, and my con- my judgment is sound, and my convictions are strong, and it doesn't take me a long time to uh, be able to. And, and not only that, I'll bet he thinks on some level that he can help, even if he loses the election. You know, whatever happens, he's in a position to affect policy right now because when he makes an accusation, the you know the the administration has to react. So he can probably, he can probably push a little bit to uh, you know. I, I bet he felt like he could he could get the get Obama on his back foot and maybe do some things that ultimately would be in the best interest of the country. I don't want to impugn his. I mean, the standard has to be in that moment. What is the best thing for the diplomats on the ground in the short term, and what is the best thing for the American people in the long term? And you know, he's only got two more. He's got you know, whatever it is, fifty days to make his make his case. So I can see. It, it, I think it is a it's legit ground for the for a debate. I just wonder if he gets into a debate. You know, it's I think October fourth. Um, you know, if he if he makes that point after the fact, it doesn't. You know. Well, listen, you, you know, your administration. Yeah. Well, um, thank your dad for his service for me. Sure. <laughs> That's what we do. When somebody says they're in the military, you thank them for their service. And since you're the son of a uh, soldier, was he a soldier? Was he an officer? What did he do? Uh, he he uh, retired a uh, sergeant first class. Oh, my stepdad's a sergeant first class. They're crazy. They're all crazy. No, they're not. Uh, I love him. Sergeant first class, Michael Ray Pierce. He was a jump master and he used to wake me up in the mornings if I was late for school by pinching the inside of my thigh really hard. So those guys are great. I love them. Uh, <laughs> no, this, this was a more lackadaisical guy. He, he was a techie. He was a techie? Oh, why couldn't yeah, my mama he, married him? He helped fix the things that uh, broke around us. Uh, all right. Thank you for your call and I hope you call back again. All right. Bye for bye for now. All right. So we have five minutes left. Um, it's so there's so many layers to this, and it's interesting that like when you when you start a conversation from an emotional standpoint in a particular area, boy, it just inf- it just shapes everything. Um, President Obama, when asked in a, an interview, I think it was Telemundo interview uh, in Mexico or for Mexico, I'm not sure where he was, um, was asked, you know, what what is your what's the diplomatic essentially what's the diplomatic relationship the United States has with Egypt, and under um, 
under the uh, Egyptian president Hosni Mubarak for 30 years, my whole life basically, my life that I was aware of, uh, we have incredible relationship with them, military to military. They were our strong. Egypt was our strongest ally in the region, as far as I knew, understood. I'm not a Middle East expert, but that's what I that's what I understood. And I my jaw fell on the floor when I heard him say, "Well, they're not an ally, but they're not." A, an enemy either uh, <laughs> and depending on how and what he said which is pretty tough talk you know he said depending on how they respond in this to this incident uh, you know we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll judge he said they're a new government I know that we send them tons and tons of money the United States sends Egypt tons of money and aid and I think he was in. He said that you know if they didn't do the right thing, basically I'm, I'm sort of you know, but he basically said if they don't do the right thing, you know it's going to be it's going to be bad. And when he said bad, I think he was threatening money. Um, but boy, is it complicated when you think about our embassy in Yemen that's being attacked, and we want to have a you know a presence in Yemen. That's where Al Qaeda is getting really strong, you know, and we want to. Isn't it? It's better. He said we don't have any option to withdraw from the world, and <clears throat> so he just continues to push forward, believing that uh, it seems. I I, I want to know specifically what Romney means, what Governor Romney means when he says we have to exercise our leadership role. I don't know what that means. I mean, Hillary Clinton is one of the strongest possible secretaries of state you could have. I mean, if if the job is to get in there and build a relationship and communicate effectively and press our advantage, she's fantastic. You know, she's fantastic. She's she's she works really really hard. Uh, you know, just the, the 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 woman hours that she puts in and the travel and it's a, it's a really grueling job for any of them, for Condoleezza Rice, for any of them uh, to do. Um, so. You know, I, what does he mean? Does he mean we should? I don't know what he means. Should, 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 you know, what what military options are really available to us? We're moving ships into the Gulf now, or not into the Gulf, but right there above North Africa, and we can cruise missiles. We've got our drones. You know, we have a certain contingent. I heard of Marines who are landing to help reinforce the base. You know, what what else are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to try and fight and and de what does he mean? I can't wait to hear what he means because I've heard him say that a lot and I'm trying to be open and fair and equal on this. And so if somebody understands Governor Romney's position about how we should be more assertive in the in the Middle East and exercise our leadership, I want to know. We'll talk maybe we'll talk about that next week. Um you know, cuz I'm all ears. There may there may be a better way. But I I don't think the platitude of getting up in the middle of the crisis and saying, you know, he's doing the wrong thing and we should be – our values – our values. Oh, it's hard. We have so many good values to choose from. Um, and I loved what he said about encouraging people to uh, understand our values. I think that's – I think Governor Romney is exactly right. We need to encourage other governments to understand our values. I don't know how we do that other than work cooperatively with them to create mutual value, free trade, you know, cooperative trade agreements and and so forth. So maybe maybe that's what he means. Maybe he maybe he would like stronger trade agreements. So I hope if that's the case uh that that if he if he feels that uh 
President Obama hasn't done a good enough job at one of the most important tasks that the president has of creating trade agreements. I hope that he's specific about which ones and what he would do differently. Um, I think that could really be meaningful to people who are trying to – who are undecided. Um, I'm not undecided. I know what I'm doing. But uh, I think it would be – I think it could be useful. It would be really edifying to the conversation. All right, ladies and gentlemen. It has been um, a really sad two days. Uh, I hope that our uh, people all keep the th- in their thoughts and prayers the families of our diplomats and the safety of the people who are still on the ground for our servicemen and women serving all around the world um, and their families. And I hope that we uh, continue to use our free speech to speak our minds and speak our hearts and just be careful not to incite violence. That's it. I'm Sean Astin. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for everybody on Twitter. Thanks, Johnny Ice, on the board. You did great today. Um, who else should I thank? VoxPopuliRadio.com. Go and become a friend of the show. Buy our wristbands and stuff. I'm trying to. I, I, we want. We need money to uh, produce the show even more effectively. Get our phones going and everything. Uh, okay. Somebody play music. Listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.